We've been looking in Revelation chapter 2, looking at the churches, and I want to reiterate, I'm probably only going to get through one tonight. We lingered in worship a little bit longer, and man, sometimes we just need that, don't we? And we did a bunch of old stuff, not new stuff. It doesn't have to be the new. You know, when David went to get the ark, he tried to get it in a new way. David had the right intention. He had the right heart. He was a man after God's heart, but his, but his uh, delivery was wrong, literally, no pun intended. He was trying to deliver the ark, and he did it wrong, and there was a right way. So we don't want to uh, dismiss the old just because it's old. Um, we can worship to hymns. We can worship to new choruses. We can worship by ourselves. We can worship as a congregation. And, and uh, you know, tonight just felt like we just needed to love on the Lord a little bit. Sometimes we forget and do these big songs and have fun and rejoice and praise and we do good. But sometimes we just need to slow down and just love on God. A big expression that I have right now is, it's not all about me. It's not all about you. What we're doing up here, it's not about you. It's not about me. You know, in our life, it's not all about you. I've said that to my kids before, and I've had to say it to myself. This is not all about you. And worship definitely needs that approach. Okay, God, I'm coming in so in need. I need so much. But let's just put my need aside. You already know it. I'm supposed to tell you. And Joe was showing us it's important that we tell him what we need. Jesus asked the sick man, what do you need? Do you think, do you think the Son of God, now again, it starts to blow my mind that he was operating purely as a human. But he, had, he asked and the man needed to respond. I want to see. So we let the Lord know our need, but then as we get into worship, it's all about Him. Turn our cares, turn our needs, let Him have them, and give our, get our focus on the Lord. Again, when it comes to these churches, I believe what happened on the churches that had issues is their focus got off of the Lord. They had things that they were doing well, but things that they weren't doing well. And uh, we've gone through a few. Tonight we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, the compromising church. And as I read this, first off, I'm going to pray that the Spirit of God will speak to you as we read this together. Blessed are those who read this and keep this word, right? Who read and keep this word. You remember from Revelation chapter 1, blessed are those who read this and keep his word. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to speak to us as we read this together. Lord, I ask you to speak to each heart just what we need to hear. Let us hear your voice. Let, ear, let those that have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, I ask you to open our eyes. As I had somebody in my office talking today about how Scripture said you have closed your eyes. Lord, we open our eyes to your Word and to your Spirit. I come against a closed eye spirit. I come against a, clo- a hard heart Lord, soften our hearts right now as we, we, we read your word. And Lord, you know for us, sometimes this is hard for us to understand. Holy Spirit, speak to our heart. You are the teacher. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, 
I've said this each night that I've read these. Apply this to you, not just to church on the hill, not to a church that you think is making mistakes. Apply this to you. Is this you? Is there a portion in here that you could say, yes, I can see that I have drifted right here? Because these are people that are going through persecution, that are going through life and have chances to slip off track. So we want to hear, could this be me? Could I have slipped off track? And the Lord will show us how to get back on track. Right? And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, right? These things say, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Verse 13. Blake, I'm not going to click. I'm going to let you follow me if you don't mind. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. (laughs) Holy cow. That, that shakes me up right away. That where they are is where Satan's throne is. I believe he's talking about the city. I believe he's talking about the, that nation, that, those people. I don't believe he's necessarily talking about the church. But do we live in a nation? Is the world, is Satan starting to really rear his, his head in our nation? Yes. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days when Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. He, I don't think God says things twice as a mistake. He's already said Satan's throne is there, and now he's saying that that's where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Verse 15. Thus you have also you thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Verse 16. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and, fl- and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written to which no one knows except him who receives it. Man, there is so much there. I want to encourage you, as I encouraged you during December to read this, read Revelation. Go back and brood over this. Go back and chew on this. You know, the word meditate uh, means to chew. To uh, it, It's not some uh, uh, Middle Eastern, um, no, meditation is a good thing. It's to take a word and to chew on it like a cow chews on cud. A cow will eat something and regurgitate it back up and chew on it some more. The word is to go into our heart. And we need to bring that back up and chew on it a little bit. Have you ever read a a scripture and just thought, man, I don't quite get that. Then you get down the road and you see something that spurs that back and all of a sudden you start to get revelation of that word. Meditate. We've got to meditate on the word. Pergamos was obviously a hostile and difficult place for Christian believers to live. 
you know, I am so thankful that we still live, that we live in the United States that it is, has freedom of religion. Now, we like that until other religions show up. But let me tell you, not every nation can get together and do what we do. But we can, and it's based on what our forefathers before us came and died for. So that we can come in here and we can talk about Jesus without being shot, without being beat. But it said, this hostile and difficult place was where Satan has his throne. And this oppressive force of demonic power was all around. This culture, this community had given themselves to pagan gods. And it says that Antipas, apparently one of the believers in Pergamos, had become the first Christian in Asia to be martyred for his faith. How did these believers respond in these difficult situations? Do you remember Revelation 2.13? He says, I know your works. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name. There are some of you here tonight that need to hold fast to Christ. It is easy, it is, it, it's, it is easy to fall off the wagon. I want to encourage you, don't. As much as you want to, don't. Don't go in a hole, but hold on to Christ. Um, I, I have had a time in my life where I fell off. And regardless of the situation, your situation will be better with Christ. My testimony. The way that God has proven himself to me is that when I'm out from under his covering, it is bad. When I'm under his covering, he is there. And he cares for me. Doesn't mean storms don't come. They do come. But it says you held, you held tight when all of hell came at you. You held on. You held on. You held fast to my name and did not deny my faith. Even when people were being martyred around you, you didn't give up. But in spite of these strengths, which were great, Christ identified two serious flaws in the church's beliefs and behaviors. Revelation 2.14 says, But I have these few things against you, because you have held, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak, we read that, sacrificing to idols and commit sexual immorality, and those that held to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Now, if you can remember... If you can remember um, the church at Ephesus, Revelation 2.6 says, This I have, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He was commending the church at Ephesus for hating the religion of the Nicolaitans. Here, to the church of Pergamos, he's saying, You have bought into that which I hate. His accusations are surrounding the fact that, they, that this church had become broad-minded about the narrow way. Now, I will argue, and I, I don't want to say it's our church, but I think the church in general has become broad-minded in the narrow way. 
If it's easy and wide, it's off. The way to Christ is narrow. Now, when I say easy, um, Christ has made it very easy for us. But he's given us one way. That one way is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And here they have gotten broad-minded about the narrow way. And some had been snared by Satan and surrendered to the teaching and the practices of the Balaamites and the Nicolaitans, which Christ hates. We've seen that. But their spiritual compromises short-circuited their spiritual effectiveness. Our spiritual compromises short-circuit our spiritual effectiveness. When we compromise, we lose power. We lose strength. Have you ever had a child that wants something and you've stood strong and you've stood strong and you've stood strong, the next thing you know, you compromise? Please don't get mad at me, but I'm going to give an example. If you do this, then just forgive me, because many of you may, and listen, I've done everything in the book, you name it. But when a parent is in Walmart and the child's acting up and the parent goes, one, two, one, two, one, and you're wasting your time. We know you can count. We got that. You never go to three. The child knows it. Listen, I know it, and I've been around you for one minute. Why would they stop? Get to three. And when you get to three, whatever three means, do that. Then, the next time you count, they'll stop. Or, don't count. You've just lost all power. When you set a rule and you don't stand behind it, rules without relationship brings rebellion. When we compromise, when we give in to what we know is right, we lose strength. And the problem is, when you move a little, you'll move some more. You've just moved that boundary line. Your domain has just been shrunk. You've just given a little bit of that domain to someone that it doesn't deserve, doesn't deserve it. God's given us domain over this earth. And what do we do? We continually give it, give it back. Don't give it back. And man, that's a hard thing to walk. Spiritual compromise. And Christ showed how the compromising church could come out. Come out from under it with one word. Did anybody catch it? Repent. Repentance to a, to a man and a woman full of pride is almost an impossible thing. But it is such an easy, it's such a gift to get out from what you're under. It is such a gift. Repentance is a gift. 
Do you know that when we repent, do you know who we're, who we're repenting to? We're repenting to a God of mercy and grace. We repent to a God of mercy and grace. The problem is we lose sight of who He is and we don't repent. Revelation 2.16, repent or else I'll come quickly. The term repent, do you know what it means? It means to change your mind. It means to change your way of thinking and your way of life. Repentance is not, I'm sorry God, but then I turn around and I go right back into it. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever just said you're sorry to your spouse just to get out of what you're arguing and then you go right back to what you were doing? Have you ever had a child do that? Have you ever done that with your parent? I'm sorry. What they mean is, I'm sorry I got caught. Now, hopefully, I'm sorry will get me out of it. But then we go right back into what we were doing. Well, listen, as Christians, that's what we do. We repent, but then we continue to live the same way. That's not repentance. You did one step. You confessed. But you've got to turn around and walk a different way. Repentance is not just saying, forgive me, it's forgive me, I'm not walking in that way anymore. I'm going to give it my best effort with you, Lord, with your word. I'm going to chase after you, and I'm not going that direction anymore. Now, you fall off the wagon again, God says, repent, turn your heart back to me, I'm going to help you. You tried, good try, good try. We had this week, our staff and myself, we made a couple of mistakes this week. It It happens. Um, have you ever heard the expression, if you've never been offended in church, just stick around a little bit. Just stick around. If you've never had an argument in your marriage, well, what, what, just wait. Those that say they never fight are lying or they're covering it up, and there's going to be an explosion one way or the other. Because two people do not always see things the same way. But anyway, we, we had a couple of mistakes, but you know what? The heart was right. The intent was right on, but we just kind of missed a couple steps. You know what? So be it. We're going to do that. How can we correct it? But let's, let's get over it. Nobody's freaking out here. I've had a tendency sometimes to freak out. Well, I'm trying to do better. And I need God to have grace and mercy on me when I fall down. And he does. Paul, you fell down. Your heart's right. Get up and try it again. Or, Paul, your heart's not right. You know what he says about that? It says in Hebrews 12, 6, he loves me enough that he disciplines those that he loves. And you know, when he disciplines me, he's disciplining the church. He doesn't send a lightning bolt and jolt us all as one big church body and uh, we're, we're, we're uh, disciplined. No, he does it, he does it individually. But he disciplines his church. He disciplines us. Why? Because He loves us. You know, I show my children love when I discipline them in a loving way. God disciplines me in a loving way. It may not feel like love. How many of your kids would say, man, that did not feel like love? But it was just as much love as any hug you could give them because you are protecting them from when they get out from under you from making those mistakes and going in the wrong way. God loves us that much. 
God loves us that much. Compromise. Um, next, next week, we're going to be talking about um, a spirit of compromise and a spirit of Jezebel, which the next church deals with, the corrupt church, Revelation 2.18. Compromise is a big thing. And I want to encourage you, you, you need to have the Word in you to know what the truth is. You need to have the Holy Spirit in you to know the truth. And then you've got to have a lot of guts and a lot of strength and a lot of, and a lot of faith to stand. But we can. And sometimes it takes some help from each other. I'm not called to be able to stand to face everything I fight. My wife, my children, my church, my family, we've got people around us. We are not to be some isolated individual over here trying to do our own thing. That's wrong. Do you know who Satan gets is the isolated. You know when a, when a predator is looking for an animal, they don't go after the group, they go after the isolated. Don't be isolated. That's the broad way. Go the narrow way. Plug into the body of Christ. Let's love on the Lord. Let's love on the Lord the rest of this week. How about that? We all stand up with me and let's pray together. Father, I just command a, a compromising spirit to be out of this church, to be out of our hearts, to be out of the fathers, to be out of the mothers. Lord, help the fathers and the mothers to drive out a compromising spirit. Lord, I pray over my leadership in this church to help us to remove a compromising spirit, that we would follow you, Lord, and that we would stand and that, Lord, that, that you would give us discernment, Holy Spirit, and show us if we have gone the route of, the, uh, of Balaam and of the Nicolaitans. Lord, it says you hate it, and I, I want to be away from the things that you hate. And, Lord, I don't want to deceive myself to say that we can't slip over into some things that we shouldn't do. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that you, uh, you discipline those that you love. Lord, I thank you for correction. I thank you that you have, you have us on a path to success and to victory. We have us, you have us on a path to you. And Lord, that's what I want. I just ask you to bless this church, bless this body. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort those that need comforted, that you would teach, those, teach us all, that, Lord, that you would give us peace that, that passes all understanding. And Lord, I pray for a week of victory. I thank you, Lord. We just bless your holy name. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.